Welcome to today's episode of Alt Protein Careers with Sam Fisher. I'm your host, Sam Fisher, and I'm an executive coach and career coach for Alt Protein Careers and Alt Protein Partners. Today, I'm joined by Eitan Darwish, who's working in the office of the CEO at Every on secondment from McKinsey. Eitan is passionate about climate and sustainability, and he's had some really interesting experiences over the past few years. We'll hear more about his background and how he's approaching the early stages of his career throughout this episode. Eitan, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Love to get started by hearing more about how you got interested in the space, I'd say both food and, and alternative proteins in, in specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it all started through my education at Dartmouth. Um, I grew up in New York City in Manhattan, living in an apartment, taking the subway to school. Uh, and so I wasn't exposed to nature that much in general. Then I go up to the middle of nowhere in the woods, literally chopping wood, working in the wood shop, uh, complete 180. Um, and I just fell in love with nature. And, you know, I think I'm preaching to the choir of this audience that the climate gloom was really hitting me hard. And so I said, OK, uh, I want to do something here. And I didn't, I didn't quite know what. And I knew at the time that I was going to be working at McKinsey because I had the internship uh, and was going to start full time. And I said, OK, I want to do something here and have a competitive advantage going in and uh, so that people would want to staff me on those projects. I decided to go to New Mexico for a month before starting full-time. I went to this community called the Earthship Community. Have you ever heard of Earthships? I have not. Anyone should Google them. They're pretty wacky buildings. Um, and they're probably the most sustainable building I've ever come across. Completely holistic, passive geothermal heating. You don't need HVAC, so you're, you have a comfortable temperature all the time. And I just built these houses for a month in the middle of the desert in New Mexico. And I lived in them as well. And I just wanted exposure to like, okay, if you're living completely sustainably, like what does that look like? And uh, my favorite part was the greenhouse that we had. The greenhouse is basically a south facing part of the building. So it's always getting sunlight. And at one end of the greenhouse, you have your toilet. And on the other end of the greenhouse, you have a shower. And it's pretty simple. You shower and then the water flows down with gravity. The greenhouse is on a slight pitch. And then the water is pumped to the toilet and you flush your toilet with your shower, with your shower water. And it's, wow, it's like pretty straightforward. Why don't we do that all the time? Why don't we, why don't we do that all the time? I love that. 25% of household water use is, is literally flushing clean water down the toilet. But then in the middle of that process, you're taking your shower water. And if you use relatively non-toxic shampoos, which you should do anyway, you have a, a planter cell at the beginning that filters out a lot of the salts. And then... Again, I'm in the middle of the desert in New Mexico. I had a fig tree, a lime tree, tomatoes, rosemary. I was in a jungle. And I said, wow, this is, this is crazy. Like, we can do so much here. And so I said, okay, this direction is really exciting to me. Permaculture, this. I, I basically left New Mexico going back to New York City saying, okay, uh, New York needs to be all vertical farms. Like every South facing window needs to have, you know, microgreens and, you know, tomatoes. But then quickly I got to McKinsey and had this really global view. I had so much data to look at. And what I found was microgreens are not going to save the world. Uh, tomatoes aren't going to save the world. The vast majority of food impact comes from animal proteins, the vast, vast majority. And so the number one lever in climate change in food is reducing animal protein consumption uh, and production. 
That's awesome. That's a really interesting story. And I'd love to hear you were hopeful that that would help convince McKinsey to staff you on those types of projects. How did it go? Like how, how did those conversations go? And, and were, were you successful from the beginning of, of using that experience, using your passion to get staffed on the projects you wanted to get staffed on? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. I very quickly learned that there are not a lot of alternative protein projects. There are not a lot of alternative protein companies that you know can uh, afford McKinsey. And so um, it was slim pickings in terms of those specific dream projects, if you will. But I said, you know what? Let me just work in food. Let me just work in food and learn how big food companies work and then bring those lessons if there is an opportunity to alternative protein companies. And so I was very lucky, had some great mentors and got to do pretty much all of my work in food. That's awesome. And I think one thing we get asked actually a lot at All Protein Careers, like why do you have like a Cargill job or why do you have all these these just big food jobs on your jobs boards? And it's it's kind of exactly for that that reason is it's a great background for getting into alternative proteins. Not a lot of alternative protein companies hire people with zero experience. Yeah. And it's one thing we talked about a little bit before the show, but it came up. We've had multiple guests already on, on the, the podcast who have started at a big food company. So I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And basically I worked in food, learned, you know, broadly speaking, how it works, how you make money, how uh, you market to consumers. And then I got super involved on the side, basically doing free work to do alternative protein research. I said, I'm passionate about this. You know, there's a lot of data to be crunched that was available to me. And, and so I'd make charts, I'd make uh, reports, um, and I ended up getting to a place where quarterly I was publishing reports on the industry. Again, no one was paying me to do that. I just did it for free, basically. And that helped me build the credibility to say, okay, I actually know something about the space. Then I, on the side, was also just getting involved in the community, going to events, meeting people when I was traveling, meeting people in different geographies. And that's how I got to meet Arturo, uh, the CEO of Every. And it was very lucky, but at the time, his chief of staff was moving to a new role in the company. And he said, hey, I think we could work together. There's this, there's this role. And I told him about the McKinsey secondment program which is um, McKin you can kind of keep your benefits through McKinsey. And, and it's I'm so grateful for the program. They give you the opportunity to go in industry and work up to a year. And so I did the year program, and that's where I'm at now. That's that's really cool. So I have so many questions I want to ask about this and, and your role at every. But we, we hear a lot about, you know, the chief of staff and those types of roles being great roles for people to, to really have a lot of impact in the space. So before we get into to your work, I'm curious – what did the person who was in the chief of staff role before you, who, who moved on to a different opportunity in the company, where did they go? She went to become the director of manufacturing strategy. When you're in the office of the CEO, you get exposure to all parts of the company, obviously. Uh, and the most pressing uh, and the most the toughest issues are what bubbles up to the CEO. And at that time, we were thinking about, okay, do we build a facility? Do we, you know partner with incumbents to do a brownfield situation and we need to talk to like everyone right we need to talk to everyone who could possibly facilitate us bringing more and more capacity online to meet demand and so she went to basically lead that pipeline uh, and lead that search process very cool i think uh, like you said a great example of of how that that role can be a, a launching off point and you, you see the most strategic and the most important things 
that are coming up. So uh, let's use that as a segue. Uh, I'd love to hear. I, I know the 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 role, the titles, they they can mean a lot of different things. But like, what are you doing day to day? Like, what's your life been like since you joined Every? What are you What have you been working on? It's been so fun. And working with Arturo, if anyone has the pleasure of meeting him, he's he's an amazing human. So number one is just working with him. What's on his plate and how do I help him prioritize his time? Uh, but I'd say that the work is broken down into a few buckets. One is special projects. So there are certain initiatives, like if we're talking to a nonprofit that wants to help us uh, in certain ways, like that doesn't really belong anywhere in the org. So it falls in the office of the CEO. And then I basically the project manager on that project. There's special projects. And then there's pretty much all the CEO responsibilities, mainly investors and board of directors. And so we have quarterly board meetings. We need to have those meetings and prepare for them and make the decks and, um, you know, and report out to investors on our progress uh, and the milestones we're hitting. And so a lot of my work falls in there. And then Arturo and I think, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people in roles like this, you can just lean in kind of wherever you know, you think you can make an impact. And so for me, because of the work I did at McKinsey with consumer food companies, I've gotten to work a lot with our chief commercial officer on on commercial strategy. And okay, we need to model cost and use of our ingredient in, you know, in this baking company. Like, how do we do that? If there's not necessarily a person on the team who does that, I can lean in, um, lean in there, which has been super fun. That's awesome. Sounds like a really, a really cool mix of areas that you kind of were already interested in and had, had some expertise because you were specifically interested in food, all protein and that research. Some that just comes with the general you know training you get from consulting, like the reporting out, the decks, the the kind of executive communication stuff that I know is kind of core to a lot of just that, that consulting, blocking and tackling. And then areas for you just to learn and you to, to pick up skills and, and pick up areas either that you want to learn more or, or, or maybe spend more of your career on moving forward. So, mm-hmm. uh, I like that. I like that a lot. I know it's, it's hard cause you only have one year and you're still relatively early in your career, just a few years in, but has it changed the way you see you want to go in the career, your career path in the next few years? And, and as you think about next steps or steps, you know, in the next five years or so, like how much has that changed in this, in this role? Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's a question related to a lot of the listeners here, which is, you know, what do you do now? Right. And I think at a very high level, it's, I want to learn as much as possible also from incumbent industries. Right. And the most obvious is going to work with big food, but I think there's also lessons to learn across many other hardware industries. Right. We're not making software. We're not making, you know, monthly subscriptions to SaaS products. We're making things that people touch and in this case eat. Um, And you need to make that in the real world. And so I I would say even if you work at a steel company, you can learn very important lessons that companies in this industry are going to be needing to, to leverage in the next, I would say, five to 10 years and beyond. I like that. I think that's also helpful for a, a lot of the the listeners that we have, especially the ones who are either kind of like early career or uh, maybe mid career with with no experience in in an in industry like all protein or even food or some of the adjacent industries. So, I'd love to ask. It's kind of going to be a two part question. So, and I, I hate asking those, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna be guilty this time of 
Like, what are some of the backgrounds you've seen of, of people maybe before they got into the industry, before they got in every that worked well? And what are some of the backgrounds that you see maybe in interviews that you just, you, you turn away? I'd say, honestly, the, what's really tough to hire, especially now when, you know, the funding environment has declined, fund, funding in alt protein is down over 50% um, uh, in 2023 versus 2022. And so you can't hire just a, a bunch of talented people like, you know, say a tech company would in 2021 and just be like, yeah, they'll figure it out. You know, they're, they're young, they're you know hungry and, and it'll work out. It's hard to hire someone with no experience, period. And so go do something. One really great example is Jared, who's our head of product management. And he, he worked at General Mills for many years. He worked at a few other food companies and he just knows how to make products, right? And we're like, okay, yeah, you know how to do the job that we need, you know, your skill set for. And so you're perfect. And so I'd say the, the profiles that work really well are people that have actual concrete experience that they can then bring to help us do what we need to do. Uh, and that's from the kind of consumer facing kind of downstream side as well as upstream. So we just hired someone who worked at the World Bank for 20 years. <laughs> to do project finance. It's like, okay, we need to know how to build facilities and structure deals. You can't hire someone out of college to do that. <laughs> that that makes that makes sense. I'm curious, maybe let's let's actually go backwards a little bit to the very beginning of your story. I, I think the general lesson we're trying to 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 give here, I I try not to give too much advice, but I think in, in general if I'm giving any common piece of advice, it, it's kind of what you said, like get a job if you don't have one. If you have one um, that you want to get a better one, like, cool, like do, do that. Uh, look, look for roles in the, the industry, but make sure you, you have a job. And then as much as possible, find ways to enrich your resume in addition to your job. Because your job, I mean, doing well at your job can, can be a lot, but I think that enrichment. So I'd love to hear, like, how did you actually find that New Mexico opportunity? And is that just like a, a random one-off or is there maybe a lesson there of how people might find similar things for themselves? Yeah. And I think it also goes back to the previous question on who do we turn away? Like people who don't care. You have to care and you have to be curious and you have to be passionate. And so whatever job you're at, even if it's not in the industry, you can find ways to get curious and kind of do what you can and, and have something to show for it. And so even if I was at McKinsey doing nothing related to this industry, I worked with the green teams there, which is the sustainability club. And we did a meatless Monday program. So it's like, okay, that makes sense, right? That's, that's a story. Um, with New Mexico, I was holed up in my small New York City apartment during COVID. And I was like, how else can we live um, so, and do so sustainably too? And I just got super curious. I watched the YouTube videos and read about it and then went to actually go do it. And I think having those, those experiences that just expose you to ideas and get you excited and passionate will then fuel that curiosity in your professional life. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, did you like meet people there that you've stayed in touch with or, and are there people like from that community that are doing the type of work you're doing? Or did you feel maybe like, um, not, not an outsider, but, um, maybe like <laughs> yeah. a, an enigma. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely keep in touch with people. But but for sure, I'm I was like the most like business <laughs> person there. 
uh, one of my best friends that I met there, like for example, never wears shoes ever and lives in a van uh, with a stray dog that he adopted. Another friend went to go start a homestead farm uh, in Oklahoma. And so they're all people who are, yeah, I would say like more earthy and less business minded, but that care about the broad mission of living sustainably. And I also just think it, it just gave me perspective on life. I'm like, wow, like there are lots of different ways to, to live. Meeting very, very different people exposed me to, okay, I don't need to be a cookie cutter or anything. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for life in general. And I think especially for, for our industry, like when I heard you talking about that, I was thinking like, gosh, if you could combine the experience of meeting people like you did in New Mexico who were kind of on the edge of living sustainably, living with nature, but maybe farther away from the business world with the experience of maybe working in the the food industry and, and people who actually touch the people who are making making the food, growing the food whatever, with the business chops and kind of the the general skills that you pick up and something like consulting or, or many other valid, you know, business areas. Gosh, you'd be so dangerous coming back and, and entering the all protein industry, the plant-based meat industry, and really try to help us cross the chasm and, and build products and build companies that resonate really in, in the whole country and, and eventually the whole world. Yeah. And I met people who, for example, like my friend who doesn't wear shoes, like he knows how to install solar panels. And he also installed a um, uh, Starlink, right? And it's like, oh, wow. Like these people are talented. They maybe live differently, but they think very critically about the way they live. And you can get really inspired from that, especially if you want to go into business and you just get exposed. Like I was, you know, mixing concrete and I was like, wow, like all this concrete, you know, how was it made? And we're, we're going to, even in, in a super sustainable house, you had to use concrete. And so it's like, okay, well, that's going to need to change. I think there's a world in which I, I went to that and I was like, holy shit, like I, I just want to go work to, to make concrete and, and um, fire lime with hydrogen or something instead of with coal or, or, or whatever. And there are companies out there. And so pretty much if you look where you're sitting right now, wherever you are in the world, look at everything in your surroundings, we're probably going to have to change the way we make it. And when you go to extreme environments and you put yourself in new environments, that becomes very, very apparent very quickly, especially if you have this mindset of, okay, how are we going to shift on an industrial scale and, on a, and what's the business behind it? No, for sure. I think that makes makes a lot of sense. It's super fascinating. And I can imagine, especially coming out of COVID and your intellectual curiosity at its peak, just like getting inspired all over the place. I was also thinking, you know, a lot of the people you met there, especially the ones who were moving to different parts of the country, the middle of the country, they they might have more experience than we do by a lot of of talking about why they care about living sustainably with people who are n- not nearly as interested in that stuff or maybe even opposed to some of that stuff. So I imagine they'd probably be really interesting to learn from and just like, how do you talk to your neighbors about this? How do you talk to your family about this yeah. in, in ways that we don't always think about? here on the coast so exactly su- super fascinating exactly there's little patience there for like the coastal elite you know we have to change our behaviors in order to you know make society work i think you're spot on i'd love to know maybe jumping back to to every before before we wrap up i'd love to know if you were staying like if this weren't 
you know, uh, something you were doing, the secondment mm-hmm. program through McKinsey. Like, what are the areas that you've been inspired in? Like, what were some of the what are some of the places in the company that you'd be like, oh my god, I would love to do that for a year, or for two years, for three years? Like, what have you seen that that looks like an awesome challenge? Yeah. So I'd say there's things that I just personally love, which is I love the commercial aspects and especially every is a B2B business model, which I think is super scalable and just good business rather than trying to convince consumers to change their behaviors. Um, Every's philosophy is how do we just plug our ingredient into existing products and people don't even have to know that it's vegan. So I think there's that aspect, which is very exciting to me. And then there's what I think is needed which is also very exciting to me for different reasons. And that is the financing side. So these companies that are growing rapidly and have traditionally been venture-backed companies are going to start to graduate to different types of capital. Mainly growth equity is going to be the first stage and then eventually debt and project finance. And so I think this industry is going to need a lot of know-how from existing heavy industry on, okay, how do you structure a project uh, and a project in the sense of project finance? So whether it's a road, you can literally have someone who works for a municipality and has done project finance, 20 project financing deals on roads. It's like, okay, how do you take those lessons? Because eventually we can't build capacity for this industry with venture equity. We're going to need to do it with either government backed loans uh, bank loans at low interest rates, the capital stack of these companies is going to shift dramatically. Now, if you listen to that and you think that there aren't like a hundred different ways you could get into this industry, then I think you're not you're not paying close enough attention. I think that that's what's so inspiring to me is even in a year where there's aren't that many jobs in the industry, there are so many paths in that that are going to be super important. Whether you got really excited about the manufacturing side of this, or you got really you know excited about the financing side of this, or anywhere in between. That it, it's just cool to see how much you're noticing and and how much you've become aware of all the different areas where where we're going to need help. So I think that's super cool. Just maybe to piggyback off of that, I'll ask another version of a similar, a very similar question. Let's say just to to take out any bias, conflict of interest, fun stuff. If you couldn't go into consulting, let's say you're graduating at 22 right now and you, you couldn't do consulting, so we're not competing, it's your, your actual job path, but you still have the same passion, same interest, where do you think you'd try to get a job right now? I'd say heavy industry, climate, climate-friendly climate heavy industry. So if you look at the, the um, venture funding and, and non-venture funding into the various climate verticals, there is, I think... You know, it's a great thing. A lot of go- going into things like steel, concrete, built environment. And that's just so like practical, real world, that I think is really cool. And that's accelerating quite fast. If you, uh, One example is uh, a company called H2 Green Steel. They're building billion dollar facilities in Sweden to make steel without uh, basically firing it with fossil fuels. And so I think that would be really interesting, too is going into um, an, a, a, a different climate vertical with very similar fundamentals. That's awesome. That's really cool advice and something I, I never would have thought of and very different than the conversation we've had so far. So, Eitan, thanks so much for coming on and sharing sharing your knowledge and sharing your 
your passion with us. It's it's super helpful, and I think um, I came away inspired of, of all the different things you could do to, to get in the space and make an impact here. So really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me.